<laughs> Ron, are you okay? The man put it back, sir. Calm down. Breathe, Ron. Breathe. The man from the motorcycle. What did the bad man do? Ron? The motorcycle on the bridge. I hit him with a burrito. Ron. He took him with his foot, and he kicked him. That's what he did. Someone punted him? No, wait. Wait, let me say something. Let me say something. What? I, I don't under, I didn't understand a one word you said. Ron, are you okay? Ron. Ron, wh where are you? I'm in a glass case of emotion. Well, hey, Kairos, my name's Haley. Um, and I'm, if you're with me here tonight and you've ever been in that situation where you're in a glass case of emotion, I just wanna say to you, welcome. You are not alone. Um, and as college students, I'm sure you've all been in a place where maybe you felt like you were in a glass case of emotion, like Ron Burgundy there. Um, but I'm excited to kind of share with you tonight um, how that looks like in our story of Jonah. And so we're going to be diving into that story here today. But before I do that, if you've ever been in a glass case of emotion, can you please just turn on your flashlight on your phone just so I can see who's all here and it helps me just kind of pinpoint where everyone's at tonight. That would be awesome. It also gives me a little bit more light too um, since we have, it's getting really dark soon. So thank you so much for doing that. And a big shout out to Iowa City. You guys can do that here as well. We're so excited to be together tonight. Night, um, as we dive into this series. But I hate that I'm admitting this um, as a college student as well. I'm a full-time seminary student I'm in graduate school, but I also work full-time. Uh, so I have been here. And in fact, when I watched this video, I started laughing. And I was kind of coming off uh, a bunch of caffeine and I, I laughed harder. And I watched it again and I laughed harder. And I got to laughing so hard I was hysterical. I started crying just like that. And maybe you've gotten to that point where you're so tired, you're so exhausted, where you just lose your mind. You have a full-blown meltdown like Ron Burgundy here. But if you haven't been that place, um, I hope someday that you will just so you get to have that experience because it's like nothing you've ever experienced before. Uh, but there's distress and there's this emotion that comes with all the things that we're doing in our lives. I mean, we oftentimes think emotions um, don't play out in the Bible very often, especially in the Old Testament, and they don't. But when emotions are played out in the Old Testament, specifically in the story of Jonah, it's a key to, for us to know that it's truly important and that we should pay attention. So in this story in the Old Testament of Jonah, we see that this actually is a full story of emotion, of pain. And so this second week of the series, it's called 72 Hours. So we're seeing what God does in three days and what it means for God's people. So if you missed last week, don't worry, we're gonna recap for you real quick. Um, if you're familiar with the story of Jonah uh, from childhood, we're kinda gonna look at it from a different perspective. Or if you're hearing it for the first time, welcome, we're so excited to have you. Now, I did something a little bit different for our recap. Uh, I was on Twitter last night and there was a lot of memes going on. And so I decided to recap Jonah for you in meme form. So we're gonna see how this goes. 
So the first scene in this story uh, is Jonah running away from God. And so Jonah gets this commission. He is a prophet and he is called to, uh, he's commissioned by God to visit the city of Nineveh. Now the city of Nineveh, Nineveh uh, was actually just in complete unrest. They weren't following God's will and there was a lot of injustice going on in the world. And so we see Jonah coming on to the scene and he decides to run in the opposite direction. So he flees to Tarshish. And maybe you can relate. Instead of obeying God, Jonah runs in the opposite direction, um, hoping to escape God. <laughs> Not even the Ninevites, but just to escape God. And so going against God's will in the Old Testament usually ends up um, not going so well for God's people. With you don't follow God's commands, usually destruction follows. Not because God wills it, but because we as imperfect people, it just kind of follows it when we go against God. And so we see Jonah um, leaving and heading for Tarshish. He gets the first ticket out of there, which was actually on a boat. Um, that's all they had. And so he is sailing with these sailors and they um, end up in this huge storm. And so you see the ship and Jonah are next two characters in this scene. And I looked a lot like that as a kid too, so don't laugh too hard. Um, but he, Jonah enters this terrible storm, but um, instead of the sailors are panicking because the ship's on pretty much on fire. The storm is so bad. And you know when sailors are scared or terrified, you know it's bad. You think of those shows that show those extreme fishermen off the coast of Alaska, those guys are tough. So when they're scared, you know the storm is bad. And that's what we see here in this story. And Jonah is just underneath the bottom of the boat, hanging out, he's sleeping, he's not even concerned. And so we see in this next scene um, that the sailors can't figure out why the storm is so bad, who's causing the storm. And then they finally realize that Jonah is the culprit. So Jonah being the dramatic character that Jonah is in this story, the emotional character, he says, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know that I am at fault for this terrible storm. Now these sailors throw Jonah overboard a lot like that there and the sea is then calm. But God actually uses this example to show these sailors who the true God is because they were worshiping their God and the storm didn't stop. So even when Jonah decides to flee and disobey God, God still uses it for God's glory, which is really neat. And so to wrap up our recap, we see that even the, even the people who are worshiping other gods can turn around to this God of Israel, the God that Jonah worships and the God that we worship today. And so we learned last week about these turnaround stories and it's about to get interesting because this is a big turnaround story. And so we're gonna pick up with our Bible reading today with Jonah being swallowed. So we'll read in Jonah chapter one, verses 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. So Jonah's been thrown overboard and God still decides to save him. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So we know God is up to something. We know Jonah is about to experience something that he's never experienced before. So now Jonah has entered that glass case of emotion. Now we're not just talking about emotion in this story because Jonah's physically swallowed up, but we know that water in the Old Testament actually represents chaos. So Jonah's just been thrown into this big puddle, this big ocean of chaos, and God still sweeps him up. You can't tell me that it's chaos for you when you're walking to class and your shoes and your socks get wet. 
It's miserable. It's painful. You might as well turn around at that point and go home and watch your class online. Because being cold and being wet just isn't any fun, but this is a whole new level. Jonah's basically in a wet sock at this point. It's terrible. And so we see that not only is Jonah physically soaked, but he's emotionally trapped. Have you ever been in that position where, you are, where your physical pain is so awful that you honestly are then dragged through an emotional roller coaster? I have a story um, about one of my favorite places. Um, I love to be in kind of woodland areas. I love to be around trees and forests, but I also love to play games. So if I can combine those two with anything like Kairos, I love to do it. But I also worked as a summer counselor where I could get to do both all the time. And so we would play games as a counselor. Do you have, how many counselors do I have in the room? Do we have a lot? Have you ever been a kids camp counselor, anyone? We've got a couple. Um, it's a really fun job, but uh, most of the games aren't really for the kids. They really end up being for the counselors. And there's this game called Capture the Flag. If you haven't ever heard of it, it's pretty much flag football, um, where you've got flags on both of your hips, you've got two teams, and each team protects a bigger flag. Now, this is my favorite game of all time. And one of the weeks, there was a strategy a team used, which was basically leave their flag completely unguarded, and then no one will find it. If no one's around it, then they can't ever find that flag. Well, I happened to be taking a bathroom break and stumbled upon this flag. So of course, I grab it and I take off running. Turns out the flag actually was guarded and I was being chased by one of my co-counselors. As we continue to run, I'm almost to the edge of our field where we're finally on our territory and I get sent a different direction. I get chased out into the woods and I'm running so fast that I completely miss that there's a big ravine that's about 90 degree angle drop. And I launch myself into this ravine and the other person stops because they saw it way before I did. Now I hit this ravine so hard that I'm completely on my face. I continue to crawl out of the ravine and my co-counselor decides to run around to the other side. So as I'm crawling out of this ravine, pretty much ankles broken, they asked me, what were you thinking? Didn't you just realize? You just went through a bed of poison ivy. The whole ravine was poison ivy and I was crawling in it. It was basically a sandbox for me at that point. So the next couple of weeks, my body looked a lot like this next picture. I darkened it because it's really aggressively gross um, and I didn't want to make it too bright and too, to really freak anybody out. My whole body was covered in poison ivy and I was miserable for three weeks. But it wasn't the itching and the pain that got me. It was the emotional turmoil of not being able to sleep, of not being able to put clothes on. It was just this roller coaster. And we see that in this story of Jonah. Oftentimes when we read this story, we focus way too much on his physical pain and not as much of what he's experiencing mentally and emotionally. And so we pick up in this story um, with pain the pain that Jonah is experiencing, uh, the pain that I have experienced in my life probably doesn't even compare uh, to what he's experiencing, but we can relate. And we see what C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite author, writes about pain in this next clip, or this next slide here. It's easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. I think that's so relevant, not only for the story, but for our lives and how we view our own pain. Emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain, mental pain, whatever it is, how do you respond? 
Do you respond by sticking it out? Do you talk to friends about it? Professionals, do you cry out to God? That's what we see in the story of Jonah and where we kick off our Bible reading. So we'll see this um, in the first verse of our Bible reading today. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Have you ever physically cried out for something because you were so desperate for help? Maybe you've heard someone cry for help. Maybe you're a lifeguard and you've heard someone cry for help. Or you've been in a situation where you uh, maybe were a medic and you've had to help. Whatever that is, you never forget that cry. And God doesn't forget your cry either. So how do you respond in pain? I was once in a plane accident. Um, Our engine exploded and the plane lights turned off and we were descending so fast. I will never forget those cries for help because that's when it's completely out of control. That's when chaos has completely taken over. And when we feel powerless and hopeless and overwhelmed, that's where I think Jonah is in this story. In desperate need for God. But why are we so slow to ask for help? Why do we let it get to this point? Do you turn to God when you're experiencing this turmoil? Instead of running to God when we're experiencing that kind of pain, do you run away from God? I know I've done that. Are you the driver of your life? Are you leaving God in the rearview mirror? Or are you running to God? When humans become the drivers of our own lives, we're bound to get in accidents. I was doing a lot of reading on chaos theory and it was way over my head, so I pretty much stopped. But from what I got from it was, there's billions of imperfect people making millions and trillions of imperfect decisions every day. And yet, injury is pretty much unavoidable. Have you ever been injured by someone in your life? Have you maybe hurt somebody in your life? I've had far more emotional wrecks in my life than I have physical ones, but the emotional ones I remember. The physical ones, the time that I cracked my head open or I've broken a couple bones, I don't really remember those. But the emotional ones I remember. And it's a disaster when we're the drivers of our own vehicles and yet God gives us the choice to be our own driver or to give God control. But when we reject God's grace and mercy and love, it's the biggest mistake we could possibly make. And then we usually end up somewhere like Jonah's at, alone. It's never really fun to be alone. And when we are alone, it's oftentimes the hardest time to cry out for help. But sometimes we're so focused on just surviving the day of not crashing that we convince ourselves that God's not willing to listen. But God is willing to listen. And so we see in this next verse the truth that God has for us. You can go ahead, thank you. And God answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Sometimes when we are desperate for help, we want to see God. God, where are you? Why aren't you here? Why haven't you shown up? God, why haven't you done anything? But we really don't want to experience God. What does it mean to experience God instead of seeing God work? We see Jonah praying. That's what this whole 
reading is about God, Jonah is responding to God in prayer and that's how we experience God, in prayer, in God's word, in community like we're in today, in people, in creation. And Jonah draws this conclusion at this place. Yeah, I may be at, at the bottom. I, am, I may be hit rock bottom. But God, you answered me. You are right here. I trust that you're with me. And it's this breaking point experience in Jonah's life that finally has this heightened awareness that God's there. God's with him. He can experience God. God has not walked away, but we don't have to wait until we're a breaking point to see God show up in our life. Are we aware of God's presence in our life on a daily basis? It's hard. And sometimes it's just simply because we're not paying attention. And so God's presence maybe seems absent to us. Maybe in the midst of the chaos, we just don't see God because we're kind of stuck in our own situation and our own experiences. But hear me when I say this. We look at our, our next verse and we learn a really important message. God, you threw me into the ocean's depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. When we read this from Jonah, it can seem that, okay, well, God caused all of Jonah's pain, all of Jonah's chaos. Yeah, God's in control. The chaos doesn't rule God, God rules the chaos. But because God created the world and everything in it, it doesn't mean God caused it. It doesn't mean that God is the reason that we experience these evil things, these sufferings, this pain, the sin in the world, the injustice in the world. Hear me when I say this, God doesn't want that for you. We don't believe in a punishing God who's out to get you, who's gonna pour fear into you to get you to come closer to him. Now this is a God of love. And even though the waves have engulfed Jonah and he's in the midst of the chaos, we sometimes think it's God's plan for us to suffer. But we know that God doesn't want harm for us, but we know God is a God of action who seeks to take the broken pieces of ourselves, to take us at our breaking points, and to make sure that we are united with him in love. So we don't have to experience that pain alone. And God certainly doesn't cause the suffering in your life. And so God joins Jonah in the depths of it all. And it's a depth that God can always reach. And so God breaks through the surface of the water, no matter how small we feel in those moments, God's there. And God offers us something we can never receive on our own. It's grace, it's mercy, God extends to us what maybe we aren't willing to, you know, can't take care of ourselves, can't love ourselves enough to get out of this position that I'm in, the chaos that I'm in. But God invites you into a relationship with him. And oftentimes I think to myself, why wouldn't any, everyone want that? I struggle with this. And maybe those of you who have believed in God your whole life and you don't understand why your friends or family members don't believe in God. I wanna ask you the question, who needs God? I oftentimes, with my family, push them away from God. Because I said, hey, you need this so bad. Look at what God has done in my life, you need this. But it was me telling them what they needed to be whole. 
instead of them getting to a place where they could recognize God's work in their life. It was out of a place of judgment than it was out of mercy and love for them. Because I was operating out of fear, not faith. So if you are here tonight and you have family members that you're worried about, if you have friends that you're worried about, I encourage you, give it to God. You know they need God. God knows that we, need all, we all need God. Um, but I want to ask you, do you think you need God? Some of us that have maybe believed in, in God your whole life. I know I haven't always believed in God my whole life. I didn't until later in life. And so I wondered if I believed. And so maybe you're here tonight and you don't know if you want God in your life or if you need God in your life. The truth is, if you're in this for what God can do for you, you're gonna be disappointed, but you're not gonna be disappointed in the love God offers you. We see this in our next verse where our expectation of God meets reality. Those who worship God, those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercy. And that's what we don't wanna miss out on is God's mercy. I've been watching way too much TikTok and I've seen a lot of videos uh, where they say, well, this just ain't it. It's missed the mark. And <laughs> you've seen those videos, they're, they're pretty funny, but um, God gave me um, what I wanted. And what Jonah in this story, God gave Jonah what Jonah wanted and it failed. Sometimes God allows us to step away from him and that seems like a crazy concept that God would let us walk away but then we truly realize how much we need God. And college is supposed to be the best time of your life. Maybe you had a lot of expectations coming into college, that you were gonna meet a ton of friends, that you were gonna go to a ton of social events, that you were gonna be able to have community that wasn't socially distant, and then you got to college. Maybe you missed out on a lot of high school sports. Maybe you're missing out on a lot of things now. I just want to be able to go get ice cream with a friend and sit next to each other. But that's just not reality. Jonah turns around and looks at God's presence um, and looks at the things that the world had given him when he ran away and says, this isn't it. This isn't what's going to make me whole. I run away from God and now I'm in this place. And so Jonah says, then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. We learned last week, turn around. Seems like such an easy concept that we make so complicated. In the midst of chaos, we know that God is it. When the rest of these things are, the rest of the things in this world that we want to turn to, but God, you are our holy reality. And sometimes we mistake God, you're our, our holy reality. We mistake our relationship with God by making it our expectations for God. And that's our relationship. But there's these breakthrough moments that we experience when we don't have any expectations, but we just want to be in relationship with God. Run to God and turn to God. But really, it's, it's God who does all the work. We see this in our ne next slide that God's the one that is holy and we're, in the, we're the ones that are in need of help. We can't break down that barrier. So God does it for us. Whether you're at your breaking point, whether you're running away from God, 
where you don't think you need God, maybe you want to rediscover God, God's breaking down those walls. God's breaking down those barriers. What's crazy is it's nothing to do with us. Now that I'm kind of um, in adulthood, I guess I should say, I'm a young adult, uh, I have a lot of contracts in my life, whether that's apartments, uh, whether that's with banking, whether that's with school loans, this whole binder is actually a binder of contracts that I am bound by, by law. And this is the only contract in our life that's one-sided, where we don't have to sign on the dotted line we don't have any promises that we have to make. We don't have to measure up in any way. And with all these contracts, I'm probably not getting the deposit back. I'm probably gonna miss payments, let's be honest. But I've signed that contract and now I'm held and bound by it. To the point of fear sometimes with my student loans, if I'm being honest. And you might be there too. But this contract is one-sided to the point where your name isn't even signed. Instead, your names are written on the palms of God's hand who writes this contract and signs this contract for you. And says, I don't need anything from you. I just want to love you. And we get to receive that. And God breaks through those walls for us. Yeah, this contract is written on your behalf because of Christ, whose power of life, death, and resurrection breaks down those walls, fulfills the contract for you. God moves and we stay put. God comes to us. God breaks through to us, even at our breaking point. And we surrender, we call for help. We realize, oh yeah, there's a greater sign there. And it's not towards me, God's greater. Trust in God's mercy and God's love. Trust that that love's gonna come through and overwhelm you and consume you. God smashes through any divide that we put up. Do you see him? Do you see God working and God fighting for you? I encourage you to pay attention, see what God does, but we get to live not in fear, but in faith. And that's what breakthrough's all about. It's by faith that you have been saved, not of your own works, but it's a gift of God, a gift of grace and mercy. And that's power. That's power that we don't have. That's power that turned water into wine. That's power that turns sinners into saints. That's power who takes what's broken and makes it whole, and that's Jesus Christ. And all Jonah did, we see in this next verse, was remember. Remember, God. But you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. I remember you. I'm familiar with you. Not because I've done anything right, but because you know me so well. God is the one that saves and salvation comes from God alone. In the last verse of Jonah, it's one of my favorite verses um, because Jonah actually gets thrown up or spit up 
uh, which is just absolutely ridiculous, but it's a great example that it's God who saves. And where does he put Jonah? On a beach. A beach would be really nice right now. So I want you to imagine it. Everyone just close your eyes and imagine you are on a beach. God has brought you to this place where you get to rest. You don't have to work for God, but God comes to you and we get to receive. We get to sit in that chair next to Christ. We get to be loved and embrace it and carry that forward with us. It's okay to be at your breaking point because you're not alone. And as a community, I've seen the power of what it means to be at your breaking point and to have a friend next to you. Kairos, your love is powerful. Your love for one another is powerful. And it all comes from the same place, the same God. In the Gospel of Mark, we see a similar story to Jonah. But the story is a little different because Jesus is the main character. Jesus is on a boat with his disciples and they're fishermen, they're experts, they've experienced storms before and they enter a storm. They're terrified. And guess who's the bottom of the boat sleeping just like Jonah? It's Christ. They wake him up. Aren't you gonna do anything, God? Don't you know who I am? I'm sure Jesus wanted to say. And he calms the storm. He says, you with little faith, have faith in me. That I'm the one that's the Prince of Peace. I'm the one who calms the storms in your life. I'm the one that makes the chaos seem pretty insignificant because my power is greater. Jesus calmed the storm before he even died on the cross. That's power because he's God. And what's crazy is Jesus redefines our breaking point. That's the new breaking point because Christ's body was broken on the cross. So we're not alone. Jesus liberates us from the chaos and brings us peace. Because God loved us so much that Jesus' body broke. And that's what we see in the story. If you want to join me in worshiping, go ahead and stand on up. We'll worship our God.